When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What is up? Welcome to episode number 405 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by the Dapper Dan man himself, Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? I don't know why you call me Dapper, but Fast is back to COVID webcam time. Uh, as If you guys remember Alex during the pandemic, uh, he was in his parents' basement with all these boxes. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what's in all these. Are there shoe boxes behind you? Is there baseball? What is this? So my dad, and this is not a joke, has the one of the largest collections of die-cast metal cars uh, in the is East Coast. Right? And I mean, I mean, I think it's like four or five thousand of them. So there are oh a gosh. lot of them. Yeah, this is like not even a third of the collection. Also, apologies if there's some poor audio quality on my end. I was a complete doofus and forgot my mic. So you're, 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 I'm coming through headphones today, which is just going to have to be okay. But yes, coming from my parents' basement, because <laughs> my baby is asleep in the other room. There are four kids here, oh all gosh. under 10. So I'm like hiding in an insulated basement. Uh, I said dabber because I don't know if you just took a shower post-basketball, but you have this kind of curly-haired glow to you right now. Well, you know, that's just my natural curls that I hate so much, and I need to get a haircut so badly. Hopefully, I can make the Twitter account Nick Pollock's hair update soon, Okay, uh, and I, as I need one in two, two days. I'm probably going to get it in two days, and yes, that is a real account, and yes, I cannot believe that that actually exists. It's fantastic. Uh, it, it's, I, got, I got to say fast. It's really nice to have you on, you know, at my time for a moment. Uh, it is 942, you yeah. know? It actually is, and get... And here's the thing at 942, Nick Pollock is reacting to Cole Reagan's mm. dominating the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, we're oh. we're, we're gonna we're actually are we not going to yeah, we are okay. We are gonna get to Cole Reagan's because he is on the list. He debuted at 69. We're gonna fast. get to him. We're gonna get to him and we're gonna get to every other pitcher, but let's so let's dive in. Okay, today's theme, Nick, is oh, your, yeah, we got we got new themes. Here we go. Bring it to sick, me. You're yeah. a six-year-old boy, okay? You're a six-year-old boy. Let's say, <laughs> you live, you grew up, let's say you grew up in the suburbs, okay? You uh-huh. just come inside from, like, playing, you know, whatever version of baseball you play with your friends outside, sure. and you're sitting down at your, your table, and your mom brings you this food. That's the uh, category, right? That's the category, okay? Oh, man. Um, let's dive in. This is one through four, uh, tier one. Spencer Strider, Garrett Cole, Luis Castillo, Kevin Gosman. What's it called and why is it called that? And will today's complete and utter dud against the Pittsburgh Pirates, in which he is not even able to get out of the third inning, will that bring Spencer Strider out of the top spot? Oh, man, I didn't even realize that. Oh, my gosh, 2.2 innings of 600 runs. The only one I checked was Cole Reagan's, okay? Oh boy, that was so. Oh my gosh, Gavin Williams with twelve strikeouts and ah, 
Excitement. Like a live react show. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Yuri Perez for and Ren's footprint. Okay, fine. Uh, no, it's not really going to change Spencer Strider. I'm sure I'm going to look into that one and watch that a little bit. And I'm sure it's going to be weird. And everyone's going to say, well, it's still Spencer Strider unless there's like velocity drops or there wasn't, you know, it's something like, yeah, okay, whatever. We're not going to change anything there. Um, just the same way that I didn't really change Garrett Cole over the, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. yeah. What's it called? And why is it called that? Let's, oh yeah, let's of stop. course. Yeah, I mean, you led me in a different way. Um, I, I'm going to do a broad one here. I, I will say this when I was growing up, I didn't, I wasn't the kid that was like, would get a Gatorade after every game or something like that. I always wanted it. There was nothing quite as valuable on the school bus home than the kid that has a little bit of Gatorade left. Okay. Everyone is just like trying as hard as they can to get a sip of some Gatorade because we all needed it. Mm. And when, when mom come with Capri Sun or something like that, oh, nothing hit the spot quite like that. So I'm going, I'm going with this always all reliable Capri Sun. Capri Sun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, when right. six, it's not Gatorade yet. No, totally. But it, it quenches. A, a, a Absolute quench yeah. fast. Yeah, it's a pure quench. I was going to say it <laughs> quenches your six-year-old body, but like you just can't. That's, yeah. you can't Do you ever say, say quench outside of thirst? Yeah. You're not really getting a meal and going, <laughs> yeah, I'm quenched. quenched. Oh, consider me quenched. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I guess it, it is only applicable to thirst, which is interesting, but right. it's not like, yeah, it's not like you're getting hammered and you're going, oh, I'm so quenched. Right <laughs> okay. Anyone else in this tier? That's really quenching me today. Uh, no one else really here. I mean, Gosman had a bad game against the Orioles, whatever. Castillo pitched much better than he, uh, than the line looked against the angels. It's actually really cool. Your Imperial shuttle. If you can remember the name of it, I remember it. You didn't. Uh, it was looking great with four seamers up and changeups and sliders opposite ends of the uh, bottom of the zone. So all good stuff there. And Garrett Cole, even though it was what five innings, two hundred runs here, I'm looking at so far, three uh, Ks. Like it's fine, um, but uh, it's not really amazing. Who cares? He's still all reliable. <laughs> what do you know? They're down two nothing because he can't get a win. Oh boy. Uh, but yeah, nothing else here in the top tier. Let's move on to tier two then, uh, which is a nice little chunky tier. So in tier two, we have a five through 10, Zach Gallen, Tyler Glasnow, Zach Wheeler, Max Scherzer at number eight, followed by Blake Snell and Shohei Otani. All of them move up one because of Shane McClanahan falling off the list. Other than that, no real movers. Excuse me, Zach Wheeler up six. Uh, what's it called and why is it called that? Ah, this is tough. I'm just going to say, you know, just chook cookies, chocolate chip cookies, chook cookies. Chukukis. Chukukis. <laughs> Who doesn't want that when you're six? Like, oh my God. This is the best. Yeah. And you just like stuff it down, you know? Perfect. Okay. So, I mean, there's two that we should really hit on. I mean, we, we, we need to talk about the largest riser who's ostensibly coming off one of his poorer starts of late. I mean, right? He has 11 Ks against Pittsburgh, 8 Ks against the Guardians. And I'm, of course, talking about Zach Wheeler, who against Miami gets you the quality start, right? But it's not as dominant. It's just four. Uh, strikeouts overall. Um, you know, he picks up six whiffs on the slider. Um, he still looked relatively crisp in that start. What did you see that had you jumping him up six spots? I mean, I've been kind of recognizing that Zach Wheeler has just been so consistent. I finally gave him the ace is going to ace label after that start. He has a 303 ERA, a .99 whip, and a 28% K rate across his last 10 games. Mm. Uh, and that's in, that's amazing. That's just pure consistency. That is your ace right now. Uh, yeah. So I feel like Zach Wheeler deserves that recognition. And I said, even after that Miami star that he's just done this for long enough. And there was a little bit of a valley there. There was the five run run game and the four run run game against the, the nationals, 
But even then, the whip wasn't so bad against the Nationals. They gave you six strikeouts. He got you eight strikeouts against the Mets. It just feels like every single time Wheeler starts, he should be going at least six and fighting for seven with good ratios and a lot of strikeouts. So, yeah, that's an ace. We talked about efficiency last week, I believe, when it came to Tyler Glass now, who was like, yeah, he's not necessarily putting up 100 pitches. He did that once uh, at the beginning of July against Seattle. But the past three starts are all seven innings with fewer than 100 pitches. Only once he eclipsed 95 pitches. Um, You also have to think now that, like, Tampa needs him to be the guy. Like, they might need him to be the guy who's like, even if he is hitting 100, like, finish out the fifth or the sixth inning with McClanahan down, and of course, all the other litany of issues. Maybe they feel more comfortable doing that with Eflin instead. But what have you seen from McClanahan, or what did you see in that most recent start against the Yankees that has you keeping him uh, relatively where he is? Yeah, not McClanahan, of course, because he's on the IL. You're talking about Tommy Glass now. The only problem is that he had back spasms. He was supposed to go on Sunday, and he didn't. So I left him where he was because of that. Um, otherwise, yeah, I would have actually put him into the top tier because he's just been that good. He only has one clunker um, since returning to the majors on May 27th. So that's 12 games and just one bad outing that you were upset about. You could argue also against the Oakland was very uh, athletics was really disappointing, but uh, everything else has just been stellar, really, uh, from Glasnow. So the slider, as we know, we talked about, I think, two weeks ago, is a game changer for him. Yeah. Anyone else in this tier that you want to talk about before moving to the next? Blake Snell, man. It's just so weird. It's just so weird. Four walks like all the time, but sometimes he does it and it's fine. Sometimes he does it and it feels really bad, but he's still actually giving you a a high enough floor, even when it's not all clicking that we know that there will, there's going to be that like seven inning, 12 strike at one and run one base runner game down the road. You know, we know that's going to happen in like the next start or two. And you have Zach Gallen actually, I was going to remove his ace is going to ace label and bring him down. And then against the twins, he did everything they've been wanting him to do. That is do the Blake Snell blueprint and dominate with four seamers and curveballs, get the curveball low again. And finally good. And I didn't feel like I could lower him after that. Cause that actually is the sign of him up trending up again. Yeah. Um, so that felt really, really nice. Obviously we're going to see how it goes in the next start and the next starts really bad. Then I will remove the ace is going to ace. You got to keep this now. You have to kind of prove it more, but I uh, very, very good there. Okay, let's move on to the next year because there's a few that I'm really excited to talk about here. This is tier three, excuse me, three, 11 through 20. Brandon Woodruff appears, Max Fried appears, Corbin Burns at 13, Clayton Kershaw reappears at 14, <clears throat> excuse me, Pablo Lopez at 15, Framber Valdez and Jesus Cesardo down three, George Kirby up two at 18, followed by James Paxton and Sandy Alcantara. What's it called and why is it called that? This one is the Gogurt one. Uh, there's nothing quite like, it's like cool, refreshing, it's nice and it's filling. It's there, you know, but the thing is, sometimes it's not enough. Yeah. Like those things were small, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it it feels like this should be an ace, but I just need a little bit more. Yeah. And then you have a second one and you're like, that's too much Gogurt. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like right, you're really thinking i botched this i'm not i'm, I'm overly quenched um let's talk about let's talk about brandon woodruff who you know reappears against pittsburgh like it's funny there was a part of me that was like do i consider this a still ale solely because i don't know if you recall you probably do because you have a great memory for this stuff but pittsburgh like had his number a lot last year like he mm. did not fare that well against pittsburgh you, you, and I was, you praise my memory and i do not remember that at all okay well he i remember a bunch of his starts because i had him rostered and thinking like ah, hey, he just kind of gets shelled i yeah. i went with it and i started him and honestly he it didn't really look that crisp i mean if you're looking at the strike zone plot there i mean 
yeah, it's nice to see the four seamers elevated, but there doesn't really seem to be a legitimate overall game plan. It still looks like there's some a few cobs, what cobwebs that are kind of being uh, shaken off. The, the sinker, however, I think was much better um, in terms of command, uh, unless you're a kind of upset with him kind of elevating them still picks up a, a total of 14 whips across the four seamer and the sinker doesn't even really need any of the breaking pitches or off-speed pitches finishes a 34 percent csw and really most importantly sitting 96 on the four seamer which is kind of what we're thinking are you like all right this is kind of like last year where you know he he has a terrible aisle stint that takes up a bulk of his season but like now he's back and he should be winning you some championships so what's funny is i actually didn't have this as a still hill um, I, I, what's really nice this year, I mean, so unbelievable is that we have all of AAA inside of StatCast. So the product of Still Ill was pretty much not knowing a lot of information. We wouldn't know how many pitches they have thrown. We don't know so that, you know, are they stretched out or not? We don't know the quality of their rehab starts. Um, and those are two major factors that go into Still Ill just because of like, oh, he's coming back, but it's just four innings or so, or mm. he's still not at the velocity we want to see, right? And we knew that Woodruff was over 70 pitches in his last rehab start. And we also knew that he was dominant in that in the rehab start. The changeup was looking so good. The forcing would look the normal velocity, all that kind of stuff. So um, I actually had him as the third best play on this day in the auto start tier, which is so rare when it comes to still ills. But when it came to Woodruff against the Pirates, I was like, all right, we're going to go for this. 85 pitches, five innings and domination with nine strikeouts. PLV. Called his third most uh, thrown pitches. That is a four seamer sinker and changeup. All exceptional, as in, like, we're talking like 5.5s on PLV, which is a quality pitch. Over half of them were quality pitches, which is staggering. Yeah, Normally, like, an, a pitch, if you see over five, you're like, oh, that's good. And a 5.5 is demonstrably better. Um, it's like 90th percentile or something if he holds that for the entire season. So. Really good stuff with Woodruff on those three pitches. The slider and the curveball were the, a little bit worse. Um, and I would imagine PLV liked it because the four seamers that were upstairs were really, really tempting. Uh, batters did chase those um, a decent amount. And I think that, you know, 45% O-swing on that one. Sinker was 42%, which you know I love good O-swings on sinkers. Mm. Um, slider had 60% O-swing as well. So I think that Woodruff is kind of here to stay at this point. And it all goes through those fastballs, the fast, the four-seamer and the sinker, to see those perform well in, in that first outing. Sure, the change that we want to see take a big leap. That's what happened in 2022. Um, he had that in his rehab start. I think Woodruff will get that one back as well. Yeah, I'm really stoked for, for Woodruff at this point. When it comes to aces against ace labels, I wait three starts after an IL stint. That's just kind of the rules. After the third one, if everything is all good, great, you have an aces against ace. And if I really wanted to, I'd say, like, cool, I expect him to be underneath Zach Wheeler inside of that tier wow. okay um same with like freed same with kershaw for the most part too but both of those guys all need uh three starts as well coming back from the il so let's stick with that then and the kind of still ill theme because you were teetering a little bit more with freed um which is justifiable but like man you really yeah. you can't have a better 72 pitch outing and six innings pitched no one runs no walks eight k's and sure it could be perfect he gave up three hits but like this is another one where it's like it felt like the strike zone had cooties and all of his pitches were just trying to stay away from it like he, he was kind of out of the zone with the with the uh the the curve a little bit he didn't pick up a single whiff on it he only picked up nine whiffs overall but we're also talking about max freed it's not like we're anticipating 20 whiffs out of him 16 called strikes uh overall on the day what did you see from max freed 
Freed had good four seamers upstairs, really nice sliders down and uh, glove side sinkers that stay down and away beautifully. Um, yeah. And there's still work to be done, the changeup and the curveball. Uh, the changeup was floated a little bit. The curveball missed a decent amount of times. Um, there were some nice ones from both, but still not uh, exactly right. The reason he was a still ill is because he was only at 60 pitches in his final rehab start. And he was going against the Cubs, who were one of the hottest teams in baseball at the moment, as far as sure. talent. And Max Free wasn't necessarily blowing guys away um, in rehab either. So those factors, I was like, okay, he's probably going to go around 70 pitches, which he did, 72. I thought, okay, at most five innings, six is just amazing. I mean, he needed to essentially only have three base runners in order to do that. Um, and it was as good as you could have possibly hoped with everything. I love it. Um, I don't necessarily, I don't feel like it changes how I view still ill. Um, and I, but yeah, I love that Max Reed right now. It's hard not to when he looked so locked in this soon coming back from the IL. No, that sinker, you know, I joked about the command, but that sinker, like, I felt like every single one was within like six inches. Of the it's next. insane. Like, uh, you yeah. love to see that. Like that's absolute yeah. precision. That is a master class of command. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Let's, uh, anyone else in this tier before we move on to the next? Um, Clayton Kershaw should return this year, this week, this year, this week, uh, which is really exciting. Uh, Corbin Burns is not an ace yet because his cutter just is not being mm-hmm. that pitch that we've seen before, which is so strange to me. And as long as he's not like getting 10 strikeouts and dominating with that cutter, then I can't really do it. Um, Pablo Lopez is amazing. And I actually saw in chat today that other sites, I don't look at other site rankings at all. I purposely don't do that because I find myself getting too biased when I do that. Um, and Pablo Lopez is much lower ranked than I have him. I don't get it. Pablo Lopez's four-seamer, believe it or not, is one of the highest uh, swing strike rate pitches in the majors uh, when it comes to four-seamers. It's a 17% swing strike rate. That's his four-seamer. 96th percentile. Absolutely nuts. And he gets 94 uh, 94th percentile strike rates and 35% CSW on it. Uh, changeup is great. The slider is great. The curveball is great. Like, it's all there. Singer gets uh, 94th percentile O-swing at 43%. Like, what do you want? Yeah, he's not going to be a 401 year <laughs> guy like ugh, he's so 30 percent K rates is the highest of his career. He has, I think, what is it like the um, fourth most strikeouts in the majors, something like that, fourth or fifth at 165. Like he's going to have a 200 strikeout season. Uh, yeah, he's really good. OK, um, Rail does doesn't go much higher after the no hitter because he wasn't, believe it or not, the greatest he's ever been this year. I think actually he had better starts this year, but it's going to go in the right direction. <laughs> Luzardo actually didn't pitch so poorly against the Rangers, but everyone else getting added um, brought him down. Um, some people wanted me to lower Paxton more, and I say, no, he's still really good. Yep. Uh, and uh, I'm not really worried about the injury stuff with Paxton. I know it sounds silly, but we only have two months left, and we've seen like every pitcher get injured at this point. Yeah. So <laughs> to say that like Paxton is just so much more of a hiding chance that I should be lowering him, I just can't really justify that at this point. And watch, he gets hurt this week, and I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Good juju. Let's move to tier four, 21 through 26. Logan Webb down two at 21, followed by Hugh Darvish. Justin Verlander reappears for his, or doesn't reappear, he's still on the list, but goes back to his old team, I should say, at 23. Aaron Nola down three to 24. Julio Urias at 25. Freddie Peralta at 26. What's it called and why is it called that? I feel like I have to do this uh, just because it's hilarious. Um, you know, I'm going to go with Pizza Bites. You know, and well, I mean, it's just like you see them as a kid and it's one of those things that you've seen all the commercials and everything and get really excited about it. You have them. They're OK. You know, they're not like the greatest things in the world. Right. But the, you know what? Maybe like the vision of them, the idea of them 
speaks to an ace, but they're just not always. Okay, I love that. Uh, I, I do want to start with Justin Berliner, kind of two quick things. So we've seen one start from him as a uh, as a Houston Astro. Again, um, seven innings pitch, two earned runs, two walks, four Ks, and seven hits against the New York Yankees. A, did, you know, I'm not going to project. I was a little bit scared about Baltimore pursuing Verlander because I've been in agreement with you. I don't think he's necessarily trending in the right direction over the course of the season and the velocity drops are a little bit scary. Uh, There is something that happens when Houston acquires a pitcher where you think to yourself, okay, they clearly have some more information than I do and they feel pretty comfortable riding him out for the remainder of the year. Maybe that's just because they want innings, who knows, but they clearly think he's going to be an effective weapon and they need it in what's going to be a very competitive AOS down the stretch. Did Houston reacquiring Justin Verlander have any impact on your ranking? I know he's only up one. And did his most recent start against the Yankees have any impact? Or was this just simply a kind of small reshuffling? Uh, Yeah, this wasn't. Plus one is nothing. Aaron Nola needed to go down. Uh, (laughs) I mean, he needed to go underneath him. Aaron Nola has been just weird, man. Um, Even though I really do believe in Aaron Nola, like I need to recognize like Justin Verlander has been solid ratio wise. It's a 20.5% strikeout rate. That's not good. But when chances go up for the Astros. You know, yep. and it's the best situation you can really hope for for Justin Verlander. He's comfortable there. He's obviously had a lot of success there. I imagine any sort of tweaks he wants to make, they'll they are the player people that have helped him the most. So mm-hmm. that can only be a good thing for him. But uh, but really, like this plus one right now is because of Aaron Ola. All right, um, we're gonna anyone else in this tier actually before we move on to tier five. You're so kind. You're so good at, at, at nailing that down these days. Logan Webb, I know you see the negative too. Don't worry about it. It's just Alcantara going up. Um, and, uh, you have you Darvish who's, I don't know what to make of him right now. There were these two amazing starts. I was so excited about cause the new approach was so perfect. Then he had his start where it was all chaos. And then he had two ones after they're pretty much a sweeper sinker and they've worked well, but do I really believe it? I don't know. Mm. And that's it. There you, there we are. So it's just, we're kind of back to the old chaos of you Darvish and we just gotta go for it. Um, Julio Urias was limited to just five innings in his last start. Um, and I think he is now trending toward, um, ace potential, but I, you know, I, I really want to see that change up become more of that out pitch as this, as the slurve is really just so good. And Freddie Peralta, I think is really good. I don't understand really why he hasn't gotten all the success that he should have at this point. Um, and I'm still going to believe that he can do it. All right. Um, a tier five chock-a-block filled with fun names. We're going to talk about most of them right after this break. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or underdogfantasy in the app store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. In Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. Fads come and go. 
and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. We're back here at Tier 5, 27 through 34. We're talking Zach Eflin, Kendamaida up 4 to 28. Tarek Skubal up 9 to 29. Justin Steele down 2. He's at 30, followed by Lucas Giolito, Bailey Ober, Bryce Miller, and Logan Gilbert rounding out the tier at 34. What's it called and why is it called that? Free snow cone at the end of the game. <laughs> Did someone scream that in your childhood? Cherry! Grape's good, too. Um, this is a Brian Regan bit. Uh, oh, okay. And he's in the outfield after playing baseball. And he's like, how many outs, Brian? Grape's mm. good, too. So anyway, it's a free snow cone. A it's just good cone. and steady. You know, you're fine with that. 100%. So there's two that we should talk about. Um, why don't we start? We'll, we'll go in order. We should start with Kenta Maeda, who I saw you tweet about, I believe, earlier. Oh, yeah. Just been on a kind of absolute tear. Um, or, or, like... How do we feel about him overall? Is this someone that you think, like, okay, he's going to be able to remain with this and be consistent? Or is this kind of like the ace version of a Vargas rule? Right. So, no, I won't say it's an ace version of a Vargas rule. Um, it is, by the way, a 247 ERA, 0.98 whip, and a 34% strikeout rate across his last 43 and a thir- uh, two-thirds innings, which is insane. That's eight starts of just pure dominance. Mm. And that's since he returned from the IL, right, uh, on June 23rd. Now, one thing I do say a lot with guys like Maeda, who are so reliant on splitters, is that generally we don't see that bliss hanging around so often because once a splitter isn't as effective as it normally is because that is the most volatile pitch in baseball, then there's a big question of, okay, is he going to be able to get enough strikes with the slider and fastball? Is he going to be able to avoid a lot of balls in play, right? And we haven't seen that yet. And we are going to see those bumps. However, we have also seen in the past for Maeda to get whiffs on the slider too. So I do wonder if when that time comes, if Maeda will be able to adapt appropriately inside the start. I also wonder if we're going to see a massive valley or not. Yeah. Maybe it's a game or just two and then he comes back to it. At the end of the day, Kenta Maeda right now, when I look at this entire tier and I look at a lot of guys behind him, all the other ones have had these issues. Mm-hmm. And Maeda has just been doing this for eight yeah. starts straight, and I have to reward that. Yeah, that makes sense. We should also talk about Tarek Skubal, too. I know we hit upon a little bit last week, but he's up nine. You know, he's the highest cherry bomb on the list. Um, a relatively difficult – no, not really. He gets Boston next in Fenway, followed by Minnesota. The most recent start 
you know, encouraging to see near 90 pitches. He ends with 88. They don't let him finish the sixth. He gets five and a third innings, no earned runs, one total run, one walk, six Ks, and six hits. Not the most pristine, right? A lot of four-seamers kind of like dead over the zone. Um, you know, the changeup fared relatively well, but still pretty inconsistent there with him. What did you see in that start, or is it just the upcoming schedule, or is it the fact that he got close to 90 pitches that has you thinking, okay, Tarek Skubal should be jumping up nine and be a 29? Uh, I know it's just 194 seamers thrown so far, but it's plus percentage, which is essentially when you throw a pitch, how often does it result in a good thing for the pitcher? That is a called strike. Is it a swing strike? Is it also a foul ball, or is it actually an out in play? Mm. and it's a 100th percentile plus percentage. That's unbelievable. 72% of the four seamers he throws is good for him. That's unbelievable. Is that crazy? So that's a good pitch fast. <laughs> and what's really cool is that we've been saying, hey, I, I, you know, through the years I've been actually saying, I think Tarek Skubal's four seamers better than the results have been. It's just that the secondaries haven't caught up. But... I mean, it's nice also instead of be throwing instead of you're throwing 94 and stuff to be throwing 96 with it, mm-hmm. which certainly helps those results. And you know, 18% swing strike rate instead of 12% that we've seen in the past. But it also really helps that the changeup and the the slider have been relatively solid as well for him. And I think those two pitches do get better with every single start for Tarek Skubal. And I've been saying this for a bit. I think Tarek Skubal just improves with more outings. And I think really for 2024, we're going to see this guy shine a lot. But as long as that four-seamer's still at 96 and he's constantly locating up, actually even against the Rays, I don't even think he had the best four-seamer command no. we've seen. But everything else was good. So I'm I'm still very much in here. Um, and yeah, I, I just think Tarek Skubal's fastball is just amazing. Okay. Uh, Anyone... He's such a good foundation for everything else. I agree. I'm with you. I think, you know, we talked a little bit about him last week, about where you would put him next year. And he's one of the guys that I would probably be circling as someone who I'm interested in moving forward. Anyone else in tier five you want to discuss before we head over to tier six? In tier five, well, Fast, I'm so happy you said that. Because your boy Bryce Miller just did incredible things. He did. And actually, I didn't really mention this before with George Kirby, but he had a much better slider, 25% swing strike rate in his last start. Logan mm-hmm. Gilbert Olsen showed up with, what, nine whiffs on a slider? Uh, Bryce Miller all of a sudden just had an amazing slider. Did they have a conversation? I mean, they they very well may have because I know that happens a lot with that staff where they they share grips and like that's how they teach each other. So maybe, who knows? And it reminds me of what, 2017 Pirates? (laughs) Or whatever it was, 2019 Pirates where they they all had these new sliders. Uh, That like Chad Cool, I think it must have been 17 or no, it must. Yeah, it's 17 with Chad Cool slider and everything. I don't know. I, uh, I hope I hope that is the case. They all need eat it so badly, and maybe they can teach Brian Wu the same thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, Bryce Miller and Logan Gilbert are on the up with those new breaking balls. And that's a huge huge deal for them. Also, Gilbert did have a better four seamer last time, which is cool too. If you were, it, I felt so frustrated. I think they all started yesterday. Yeah, that's right. I was in the final matchup, our final day of a matchup, and I had to choose between Miller. Woodruff and uh, Lance Lynn and really there was no wrong option but I ended up choosing Lynn and Woodruff and uh, just because I thought even though Lynn has plenty of volatility I trusted that he was with the Dodgers Mm -hmm. and Miller we all know as you aptly wrote in the notes can get blown up every once in a while but as you again mentioned it was like he was putting a little hot at the top of the strike zone with his Mm -hmm. four-seamer like he was just 
pounding at the top. Oh, it was of that such zone. good. It was such good command with the slider too. It, Un- the separation. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And when you're when you, this is almost like a new, like, ceiling for him because yeah, when absolutely. he's sitting, this is, the best. That, this is what we've been chasing. Totally. When he's sitting that high, that consistently with his four seamer, and he can command that slider that well, he can be unhittable. Like that right. can be virtually unhittable. His uh, um, is even- PLA, that is the pitcher list ERA essentially of like PLV, the representation of that, 167 on the slider <sighs> and a 215 on the four seamer. That's just thinking like, how good is it relative to an ERA? Like that's insane. That's the slider insane. was better than the four seamer. Yeah. Oh. That's great. Let's let's move on to tier six two because there are two people that I want to talk about. This is thirty five through forty. Jose Barrios up six. Chris Bassett up six. Jordan Montgomery up six. Sonny Gray. We 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 did it. We broke the curse. We brought up how he hadn't gotten a win since April, and he finally <laughs> gets a win in his first start in August. He's at thirty eight. Kodai Sanga drops three to thirty nine, and Merrill Kelly up fifteen to forty. What's it called? And why is it called that? Pizza. <laughs> there. Why? I mean, look. Even if, if it's like the bad pizza, I mean, yeah. pizza bites, and now you got the full thing. And sometimes you just want the bites when you're a kid. The bites are the ones that you did the commercials for, mm. you know? And the full pizza, it's like, I don't know. I know pizza bites. I don't know where this pizza came from. I don't know where all this stuff is on my pizza, but I'm still going to eat it. <laughs> let's stick, let's uh, kick it off with one of the guys rising six, leading off the tier. You, you call him the great undulator for a reason. And, you know, it's so funny. So many of our opinions about starting pitchers are are developed in the first couple of weeks, right? Mm. It's tough to break the kind of mental shackles we put ourselves in. Uh, and like, you know, you, you see Jose Barrios start and you're like, yep, that makes sense. I was out on him and good for me. I was out on him. And then if you stepped away for a while, maybe because you hadn't been paying attention, you're not watching a lot of Blue Jays baseball, or you hadn't had to go up against him in any matchups, you don't realize that yeah. he's been quite good right that he has a 338 era that he's got a 119 whip and a 23 k rate and all of the kind of bad taste that we had from him from the beginning of the year and from last year is kind of gone what are you thinking about jose barrios i mean after those first two starts for jose barrios uh it's a 270 array with a 114 whip and a 23 k rate it's unbelievable. Um, he has been, I think it was in May or so, I said, okay, you know what? He's no longer the great undulator. He's the great fundulator. <laughs> and uh, it's just been steady Eddie for him. Uh, his reliance on sinkers over four seamers were the big shift early on. Uh, and that's still really been the case. There have been times he's played with fire with that four seamer being reintroduced. But even in the last start, nope, it's back to sinkers and curves. Um, with a rare changeup in four-seamer, and those have been working massively. The sinker got a 40% call, uh, CSW, 32% on the curveball. Like, this works, man. And it's really cool to see that him him adapt. You know, we obviously have been anti-sinker a lot over the years. Um, mm. I think it's interesting. I look back at pitcher gifts days and 2015 pitcher list and stuff, and I was, oh, man, sinkers and sliders, that's the way to go. And then I got into the four-seamer around, like, 2017 and 18 and so on. And I think in the last two years, I really re-embraced the sinker um, if you use it in certain ways. Yeah. And I think Barrios uses it in a very good way. So I, I'm, I'm a fan of what he does. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Merrill Kelly used to kind of be like an ultimate Toby to you, correct? Because he never really yeah, got... Yeah, he used like, to be, and now he's more than that. 
Well, so that's what I was going to say. Like, is there a, can you think of any other Tobies that have graduated? It's tough to kind of shake the, the Toby label, sure. right? And I mean, I think one way to do it is to up your K percentage and have like a 26% K rate, right? And to be picking up nine whiffs and double digit whiffs and, and looking good with your changeup, yeah. even though it wasn't like fantastic recently. But like, it's funny. It's like the Scooby-Doo thing where it's like, I keep thinking he's going to pull his mask off and be like, oh my God, it was a Toby all along, <laughs> but he's not. It's the reverse of that, right? Yeah. So, I would pretty- say Chris Bassett, Zach mm. Eflin um, are two good examples of other guys who have done this transition. Uh, maybe even Justin Steele, you could say. Um, who are These are guys currently on the list too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's really wonderful to see this from Merrill Kelly. Um, and essentially he was killing it before his IL stint and then he had his IL stint and didn't really look too great originally, um, when he returned and then no, he's, uh, he was much better in his last start, much better command overall changeups were down and doing their thing. And yeah, this is, this is the Kelly remember from before. So we're in. Okay. Uh, anyone else in this tier you want to hit upon before going to tier seven? Now nah, these are the annoying ones. I don't, I don't really care. Okay, all right, tier 7, 41 through 49. Andrew Abbott down 12 to 41. Nestor Cortez reappears at 42. Bobby Miller down 9 to 43. Yuri Perez appears at 44. Grayson Rodriguez up to 45, followed by Hunter Brown, Tanner Bybee down 7. Lance Lynn up 18 to 48, and Dylan Cease down 2 to 49. What's it called and why is it called that? So when I was a kid fast, um, I only liked flat soda because I hated mm. the fizz. I, hate, I, I felt like I remember it going up into my nose, you know when that happens? Tickled. And it just, sure. I hated that feeling so much. And me having all the anxiety in the world was like, I want to do everything to avoid this, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say tier seven is the the Coca-Cola tier. You want to avoid it. It is so sweet and lovely tasting, but I'm taking a risk by by imbibing this <laughs> carbonated beverage. Okay, all right. And now, I, I you know, part of me wants to talk a little bit about um, Yuri Perez, you know, kind of reappearing. Um, he gave up back-to-back uh, home runs today against Christian Encarnacion Strand and Joey Votto. And I watched it, I watched the start, and I'm trying to just confirm it right now, but I'm like relatively positive that the home run that he gave up to um, Votto was like a very much like tip your cap kind of home run. Mm-hmm. Like I think it was something that he just kind of like went down and got. Um, no, it was still in the bottom. It was the bottom. It was a heater at the bottom of the zone. So it wasn't that bad, but what are you kind of anticipating seeing from Yuri Perez, uh, as he reappears at 44? I mean, I think Yuri Perez has some really good command. Uh, 91st percentile strike rate on his four seamer. Um, and I, I really do dig that the way he, he leans, uh, glove side with it. I think he can get better with it and they make the right changes in order to be kind of more like Alcantara and actually jam guys inside with it. Mm. Slider is so good. 22% swing strike rate with a 70, sorry, 66% strike rate, which is so good. 37% CSW. Ah, that's some gorgeous stuff there. 40% O swing on it. Yeah, you love to see that. And guess what? The curveball is even better. 25% swing strike rate on that, mm. right? I mean, I will say it is a low strike rate, but how he uses it isn't, uh, to, isn't behind in counts. It's when he's either early or when it's a two strike count, which is exactly what you want. 30% put away rate on that pitch as well. And and when it comes to the uh, the changeup, it needs a lot of work. It's a thirty six percent strike rate right now. This is not something he should be throwing a lot at the moment. Hopefully, we see refinement over time, but that's not really part of his strengths right now. But I think with the fastball and two breaking balls, 
Yuri Perez is going to be a strike thrower generally, is going to be right there with strikeouts and has a, the ability to go six or seven because he should not have that uh, super high walk rate. I see 8% right now. I think that's because of the a little bit too much reliance on that changeup. And I think that does change um, with more time developing. Now, I have to bring up the Marlins. Uh, today, I didn't have Yuri Perez as a problem. A lot of people wanted that. And I didn't want it because I thought that he wouldn't go very long in this one. Um, I thought that they would uh, baby him a bit. And it was only 78 pitches in 4.2 innings. And we might see that a little bit. You don't yeah. don't think of this as a normal IL stint where it's 78, then it'll be 88, and then 90 plus. Sure. They might actually still be limiting Yuri Perez a little, right? Yeah. Around 80 or so pitches. So be ready for that. I mean, obviously, we didn't want to see those two home runs, which are, you know, pretty much led to those four earned runs for Perez today. But that's why it was also kind of questionable. It's at Cincinnati. It's going to hate it. No, sorry, it's gonna it's gonna happen. Um, so I don't know. Uh, Yuri Paris is good. He's better than the other prospects, I think, from a skill standpoint. But we might see a little bit less of him um, inside of starts. Let's also talk about Lance Lynn. It's funny, you know, one of the things that I know ah. you and I and a lot of people in the industry pay attention to is what happens when a pitcher gets traded and what's going to happen with their arsenal. Is, is he going to make a lot of changes? And, you know, while that didn't necessarily happen with someone else we're going to talk about in the next year, it did happen with Lance Lynn in that first start for the Dodgers. He threw, I think, against lefties. He went fastball 87% oh my of gosh. the time. Uh, and then, you know, so I was really curious to see how he was going to follow it up against uh, with San Diego. And a lot of the percentages shot back up. So he didn't throw nearly as many cutters as he did when he was with Chicago. Oh, it's insane how many yeah. fewer cutters he's throwing. He still did jump up the cutter rate yesterday. He threw yes, more not cutters. not like 25%, 30% as it no. was with the White Sox. It was 17% totally. after yeah. 4% in the first start. 100%. So, but that was my thing. Like, I was like, okay, are the Dodgers just going to tell him to get rid of the cutter? And they didn't. Like, I, that's what I was interested in seeing after that Oakland start. They didn't. He brought the sinker back up a little bit, especially to righties. He kind of dropped the curveball usage back down a little bit. Um, he brought the cutter usage back up a little bit and really kind of passed the more sincere test, right? He gave up three solo shots to Oakland. Each one was a, a relative bomb, but he still got you seven innings pitched in one walk and seven Ks. Obviously, San Diego a much more potent offense than Oakland, but six innings pitched, one earned run, two walks, and six Ks on four hits. Is this just him pitching for an actual team that doesn't appear to be in shambles from a PR perspective, and now he's got a little extra motivation here? I mean, yeah, that feels a little better, pitching for the Dodgers and the White Sox, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think that there is something to be said about the higher fastball usage that the, the Dodgers are calling for and moving away from the cutter, which is kind of interesting because I kind of liked the cutter. Um, but I guess the Dodgers didn't as much as I do, and that's fine because they are smart people. Um, he did allow a lot of hard contact on it, but it just average amount or so, good amount of strikes on it, 16% swing strike rate is good uh, for something kind of treated like a, uh, a normal fastball. So I don't know. It's um, I'm obviously higher on, uh, on Lancelin at this point because it's clearly working so far, and I think it is an easier schedule pitching for, uh, for the Dodgers. I mean, right now he's going to get another easy start moving forward um, after pitching against Oakland and, and of course the Padres, but you know, he got through that one. I think it's fine. It's like we're back on this train again with a good defense behind him as well. And a higher win chance. So I had to uh, give him some love for that. Okay. Um, there, uh, we used to joke about the final tier being the Orioles tier. We have a new Orioles tier and it's tier eight. We're moving on up. We're going to break down this new Orioles tier as soon as we get back from this break. 
We're back with the new Orioles tier, baby. 50 through 54. Jack <laughs> Flaherty up 13 to 50. Kyle Bradish up 8 to 51, followed by Erod, someone who was very much linked to the Orioles. Uh, then Brian Bayo and Seth Lugo rounding out the tier at 54. What's it called and why is it called that? So first of all, Bayo is essentially an Oriole name anyway. So <laughs> Bayo, perfect. Um, and that's this, it. Moving on to tier. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> this is the um the the frozen can of juice. You know those. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Right. And you know those were good, but they, you know you wanted you wanted Capri Sun. <laughs> sure. So okay, um, we're gonna talk about Jack Flaherty and Cobb Radish. What? Get uh, out of here! No uh, way. So Flaherty, <laughs> we should take it away fast. You. What do you want to say? Okay, so there's two things. So I got to do. I was very fortunate enough to do the Orioles pregame segment uh, on air yesterday um or on saturday in, i got to sit in the orioles dugout which was very exciting and talk to jason Flora. and actually the best part of it was i surprised all my nieces and nephews with it and they got to see me on tv and they were like absolutely oh my gosh that i was yeah it was very sweet but i the starter of the day this was for sunday excuse me this was for yesterday um was kyle bradish so i did a huge deep dive on him i did a, a deep dive on jack flaherty so you and i talked about jack flaherty obviously fantastic to see him hit 97 his hardest four seamer of the year but you and i both know that that's very adrenaline based yep. and the four seam velocity tapered off at the end of the start but him sitting 94 is the ultimate barometer for him what was really exciting too as you and i have just you know discussed off air the cutter the highest amount of drop he's ever gotten in his career amped up the usage as well got a heck of a lot of whiffs the curveball got a heck of a lot of whiffs which like listen if you and i are talking about jack flaherty the first thing we talk about is hey how many whiffs did he get on his cutter right it's mm -hmm. usually how well did the slider do so i think you and i can kind of both agree that there's kind of an ultimate barometer for jack flaherty if he's sitting 94 moving forward with you know, three kind of interesting secondaries between the cutter curve and slider that he can work with. There is that, I, there's not the 2019 potential in my mind, but there is that kind of top 50 potential for him as long as he can stay healthy. Before we move to Bradish, any thoughts from you on Flaherty? I mean, the command was so good. Mm. It really was. I mean, he was yep. just dotting down in glove side with everything. Uh, it was like those old Lance McCullers days, you know? Of just four seamers down. I mean, instead of sinkers, it's four seamers with uh, that cutter and that uh, that curveball all in the same spot there. But he was going underneath it. He was getting called strikes there. He did elevate four seamers too when it benefited him. Uh, this was lovely. I am a little uh, skeptical that that command is going to be there again. I'm also, of course, skeptical, as you mentioned, in that four seamer velocity being up to 94 again uh, consistently. I mean, 97 in the first, you were... Sure. I don't think I've gotten as many DMs about a single game all year as I did from fast uh, when Flaherty started. <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. It was like it was every single pitch you had something for me. And I was like, fast, I'm watching it too. <laughs> well, that's the thing too. You and I rarely are both watching the same game. At the yeah, same that's time. true. You know what I mean? Um, I'll say this too. There's a person that I know who used to work for the Orioles, who still has connections with the Orioles, who essentially said like, we didn't, they didn't, um, have him excuse me <coughs> they didn't have him tweak anything for the start because he he had just come over mm -hmm. right yeah right but i think they mentioned that there are things that they might want him to tweak moving forward so there could be additional changes but i want to move on to bradish i that's wish so we had interesting that. than like the cutter then being a big deal so that's the thing too i i think you make a really valid point the one time i had a tweet about the highest amount of carry a pitcher got in baseball you and i had this conversation i think a long time ago on the cast about 
how maybe the Hawkeye system in Toronto was a little bit funky. Oh yeah, um, yeah, we, yeah. We've certainly noticed that. Yeah. So I want to see if the if the if the cutter numbers get a little bit adjusted yeah. moving forward. It might just be the slider that is harder or something like that. And there you it go. Could be yeah. exactly, and that's why maybe he wasn't getting that much drop on it. So we'll see about that moving forward. Mm-hmm. But I got to report the data. I see Kyle Bradish. I wish we could hit the. I got another person that I researched a lot, but <laughs> we haven't been able to hit quite as much. So. Bradish, it's funny, you and I, you know, the biggest complaint that you've always had about Kyle Bradish, which makes a lot of sense, is that the four-seam cuts way too much, right? It's not a great four-seamer, and he doesn't have a fantastic to, to pair off of the slider. The Orioles seem to have heard you this offseason, because oh, what's been great is he hasn't changed his slider usage, but he's drastically cut his four-seam usage. So the slider is his predominant pitch, right? He does not have a heater to pair off of the slider. So I he did something that I thought was really interesting and that it kind of zigs while everyone else is zagging is he actually said, you know what, I'm, I'm really not going to try and add more rise to any of my four seamers anymore. I'm imagining he's like, I cut the pitch way too much to be trying to get rise. Like, I'm just not going to be able to get behind the ball enough. Mm-hmm. He adds more care, uh, more cut Depth. to yeah. the four seamer. He adds two inches more cut to the four yeah. seamer, which to me is him embracing the four seamer. So when you has. say cut, though, I I'm seeing that I, I see two inches of drop more. And mm-hmm. I want to hear cut, I think, more horizontal, which he did add half an inch of cut to, is what mm-hmm. I'm seeing, at least uh, from StatCast, X movement and Y movement. Uh, but right, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that, that's huge. He's not leaning into trying to get above bats because he wasn't going to in the first place. So it does help him out. Yeah. So the other thing that's interesting then, too, is he really embraces that sinker. And he started throwing that last year, but this year he changes the release point, adds a lot more drop to that sinker he cuts the spin efficiency i thought maybe it was like a seam shifted wake thing it was not a seam shifted wake thing so that to me says he was like you know what i'm gonna kill a lot of the spin on this it's gonna not focus on the carry anymore it's gonna focus on the drop Mm -hmm. he he does something really interesting where i thought he would go arm side with the sinker a lot but he doesn't he goes glove side and as a result he misses middle middle a lot which I do not think is very good. He still does not have that weapon. Um, What's even more frustrating is I thought, okay, he's embracing the steeper four-seamer, right? Maybe he won't elevate with the four-seamer as much, but he still tries to elevate early in counts. I think Mm. he still, last I checked, it might have changed with the start yesterday, but he was 68 percentile in high location on his four-seamer. I was kind of hoping that he'd be like, I'm I'm, I'm done chasing the top of the zone, but what I think he does now is he says, okay, I might be able to surprise guys a little bit more with the four-seamer at the top of the zone early on and then pair sinker slider. The last thing that I... Wait, 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 we have a term for that fast... The Imperial. No, 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 no. (laughs) No. You can say that. You can say honestly that Bradish almost throws a cutter, right? With that four seamer. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a Cannibal McSanchez, which is the Colin (laughs) McHugh, Annabelle Sanchez thing of surprising with called strikes at the top of the zone with four seamers. And what's pretty cool is that it's called strike rate has jumped up from 18.9% to 21%, which is 80th percentile. And the my Woba. big thing about Kyle Bryce is don't put, don't let the ball go and play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just don't let the four seamer again to play because it's a forty-two percent hard contact rate. X average is three forty on this pitch. Just don't end plate appearances 
with this pitch. With that force. So here's the other thing that's kind of surprising to me that I'd be curious to get your thoughts on because it's kind of a, 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 a it's interesting. It's a little bit of a head scratcher. So he jumps up the curveball usage a little bit. It doubles in swinging strike rate. It's got a very good called strike rate overall. He f- jumps up the usage to lefties in particular. He adds a little more drop. Uh, excuse me. He gets rid of some drop. He adds a little bit more, um, you know, makes it more slurvy, right? It makes it a little bit more slurvy, okay? He uses it uh, back door to lefties, which is so interesting to me that he's going arm side with a curveball to lefties. Listen, if he had a sweeper, I would be like, yeah, why would you're never going to throw a sweeper as a righty to a lefty? It's just going to bear in on him. But when you've got a slightly slurvy curveball that's really kind of more drop than it is cut, back foot him. Like, why are you going to risk mm. that that pitch dropping low into the zone? And like I said, doubled the swing strike rate, doubled, you know, the called strike rate is, I think, like 80th or 90th percentile, but he also still gives up a good amount of contact on it. He's not really changed it to righties that much. Why are we trying to backdoor with curveballs? Just throw it down at their back foot unless they think that this kind of uppercut swing from a lefty is going to get it. It's, it's kind of bizarre to me. Yeah, I mean, you typically do see backdoor curveballs uh, from righties to lefties. It's just kind of like I'm trying to get a called strike with it. And uh, you don't really see too many back foot curveballs. You see back foot sliders. Back foot curveballs, you see lefties to righties. But you don't really see righties to lefties. And I'm not necessarily why? disagreeing with you. Why not? Um, I think there is more danger inherently with the ways lefties swing bats that down and mm. in is more dangerous. Yeah, it could be. And I, I, and like maybe that is the thing, the reason why. But I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you that that can work more. I have seen games where that does work. Um, I just had an idea, and because I wanted to calculate this, and I, I just did. And I was like, wait, we don't have a stat for this. And maybe I just got came up with a new one on this podcast. It's funny. Um, I wanted to actually see what is the thing that I want Bradish to do with this four seamer. Not allow balls in play in it, right? Mm-hmm. Just throw the pitch and don't allow a ball in play. And I realized. We don't have a uh, metric that says how many times did this pitch end the at bat? How many times was it the last pitch of the at bat? We had to- we have total batters faced, we have total pitches thrown, but we don't actually have the percentage of times that this is the pitch that ends the at bat or the plate appearance, which is actually kind of interesting. Yeah, because put away rate would just be put away rate is just more when you throw a two strike pitch. How long does how often does it result mm-hmm. in a strikeout? But it could also mm-hmm. be that ball and playing stuff. So mm-hmm. I actually just calculated it. He is allowing five percent, five points mo- less. Uh, plate appearances are ending in four seamers than last year, which mm. I think is good. Yes. Right? So that's actually kind of interesting. I, we can actually say, is he achieving what he's trying to do? Is he sneaking these pitches in? Or are you know is it not? Or That's just another way of thinking about that. I don't know. Maybe you want to add that for next year. Let me know if you guys think that's interesting um, after hearing this podcast. Uh, we would say like end, like EPA percentage. How many times is this? And uh, yeah, of course, EPA. There's no yeah. nothing else stands EPA. Yeah, how uh, green are they? That's what we're trying to say. <laughs> how efficient are they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. That's so funny. Um, but right, uh, how many times is this end and a, a, a play appearance? So that is good to see that from Kyle Bradish. At the end of the day, I'm just going to say this: you keep starting Kyle Bradish, okay, guys? I like the fact that against the Mets, it was not his best game, and no. Bradish fought. He actually like did not give in. To allow only zero and runs, five walks, three hits, zero and runs in 4.2 innings. There's somebody to be said about that. Sure, you could say, oh, it's just the Mets or whatever. I say that Cal Brash, as I was watching, actually did not allow that mistake pitch for them to really uh, take advantage of him when he needed to. And there's something to be said about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we just keep starting Cal Brash right now. 
All right, very quick. Anyone else in this tier? Because I, I wax a little poetic. It really is. I know that's me. That's me. Uh, Seth Lugay just got trounced by the Dodgers. I saw this game before the thing. I was like, yeah, but it's the Dodgers. I had him as a questionable start for that reason. Like you probably don't want to start him for that, and that's not why he's here. That's fine. Brian Bayo isn't getting the slider and cutter and four seamer development that I want, but that's fine. He's still really good with sinkers and changeups. And Eduardo Rodriguez was good, not amazing last time out. He doesn't have the same command that he had before the injury, I think but still solid for your team. So all of those guys are like, all right, cool. I have them on my team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's, let's go to tier nine here. 55 through 59. Uh, Christian Javier down five, Charlie Morton down eight, JP Sears, Brian Wu and Gavin Williams down eight, though that might be changing after tonight's start. He's at 59. What's it called? And why is it called that? This is the, uh, you know, like you would go to a friend's house and they would have some food that you've never had. And they're like, yeah. oh my God, this is the best. And you're like, I don't know, man. I'm like, I'm really hungry. Yeah. You say this, it kind of smells okay. I don't know. That's this team. Okay. All right, cool. Why don't you go on about Gavin Williams? Because you were clearly very impressed with that start tonight. I mean, I haven't really looked at it, but my gosh, uh, the reason I dropped him so much, I even had him in a do not start because it's the Toronto Blue Jays. And Gavin Williams to me, I mean, three of his last four starts have come with four walks. And uh, five innings, four innings, four innings, five innings. Very inefficient. He had not been able to really figure out how to get his fastballs up and the breaking balls down. He is, I think there's so much potential with Gavin Williams um, when his four-seamer is actually able to be elevated. You say, Nick, it's just a 12.5% swing strike rate on that. That's not even close to the other fastballs that you've quoted. Well, if you remember correctly... Tarek Scoobles was 12.5% before he had this amazing um, breakout this year. Sure, some velocity had to do with that, but also the fact that the secondary is coming through. And I I feel that curveball cannot be a 53% strike pitch. It has to be better than that. The slider has been floated so, so much. Its low location is fifth percentile in the majors right now. Mm. And that has to change over time. I just don't think that's going to stick. And when that happens, then you may, might see its 14% swing strike rate jump all the way up to 18%, 20%. And then all of a sudden you have a stud. So I'm actually just going to do this live for everybody here of me reacting uh, just to the Savant stuff. I haven't been able to obviously watch it yet, but just get a sense of how I treat um, these starts and how I would do my quick analysis on the fly here. So what I quickly see is 12 whiffs on the four seamer, three on the, the slider, two on the curveball, which is... Obviously, a four-seamer dominant game. Increased velocity, though, on the slider and the curveball as he lost break on that slider, minus four inches on it. That's a huge deal. He's throwing it harder and less break. I would imagine that would allow him to get more command on it. Just sometimes we do see that is you remove the break on these pitches so that you can actually stay down on it, maybe change the grip a bit to, to stay low. And yeah, he did that actually. Down and away with that slider is really, really impressive. The four-seamer actually wasn't really like as good as I've seen just from a basic strike zone plot. It looks like it's kind of just in the middle. I'm going to have to watch this one, I'm sure. Um, but this does showcase that potential. If you do have that slider down, it opens the door more for the sl- for the fastball because batters need to be honest on it. Um, that's a huge, huge deal for, for Gavin Williams. And you also have the curveball, which it looks like in that plot that it did well, still underneath the 50% strike rate. I take that back. Womp, womp. Change up was one for five on strikes too. Those still need to improve. So it's a wonderful line. I'm going to have to watch how this developed. Actually, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, everybody can watch it tomorrow as I'm going to break it down for YouTube. Um, we're bringing back the, the video breakdowns. I'm going to start those tomorrow morning. I can't wait. I'm going to do a whole feature on Gavin Williams. We'll watch it together. 
Uh, we'll confirm right. it up. Probably do Cole Reagans as well. I'll figure out some way to find out the time. I just have to do it, right? Oh, you so, have to. I uh, can't wait for that. Any other quick hits before tier 10? Uh, let's see. So, I mean, Gavin Williams after this obviously showcased more upside than Sears and Wu at this point. So they'd be going yeah. up. Uh, he'd be going up there uh, with Wu. I, I I feel like he's good, but I don't know how much longer he's going to go. And it's, yeah. it's so strange. Charlie Morton, if you need to drop Charlie, Charlie Morton in your team, I get it. Like the whip is one for one. Like what? Yeah. But yeah. It's, a, it's a 40 Ray. Good win chance. Good strikeouts. But that whip is so bad. Christian Javier still hasn't gotten the slider back, but like in one day could just be there and he's a stud. Yeah. So it's he's, he's unbelievably close and it's very tough. Let's go to tier 10 here, 60 through 66. Yusei Kikuchi, Steven Matz up 8 to 61, followed by Christopher Sanchez, Jose Quintana up 7 to 63, Kyle Hendricks, Dean Kramer up 7 to 65, and Michael Lorenzen up 12 to 66. What's it called and why is it called that? It's a tall glass of water, fast. Mm. Just, just Sometimes you're just like, yeah. You just need it, kind of refreshing. You know, it's, it's there for you. Got that ice, so that I, good ice. Not the bad ice. You know what bad ice is. It's got that good ice. It's got that good crunchy ice. Um, we should we should talk. You know, you hinted about it a little bit last week, and we should give him his due here. Uh, and Stephen Matz. I mean, that really nice start against Chicago uh, to end out July, and then starts August with six innings pitched, one earned run, two walks, and six Ks, um, with just five hits allowed, picking up eight whiffs and eleven called strikes on the sinker overall. Uh, really commanding that changeup relatively well, too, ending the day with a thirty-four percent CSW. I mean, what are you seeing from Steven Matz? So it is interesting that he's a 97th percentile swing strike rate on sinkers, but is it really like a sinker? Uh, mm. It's 11.7% swing strike rate. So that's not like, you know, you talk about 12.5% on Gavin Williams's four-seamer. Like, what's the point of really differentiating? They're their primary fastballs, right? Mm. Um, so that's not ideal, but it's been killing it for him. Uh, 83rd percentile on hard contact rate is great. Uh, and... With that as a foundation, he has these changeups that are getting lower more often, um, which is good to see. I think there's still more improvement he can have there, but to see about a 70% strike rate on those changeups as well is allowing him to be more efficient um, than we see other guys and uh, above a 60% strike rate on that curveball too, with a 22% call strike rate is very nice. It makes for a guy that you want to start against the weaker teams. I don't really trust Matt's against strong opponents. And I really want to mention that, look, you know Steven Matz from earlier in the season. This is a different guy. Uh, and especially since he's starting to be back in the rotation on uh, July 9th, it's way different uh, of an arm than we saw at the beginning of the year. Also, the increased velocity on that sinker has been nice to see as well um, as a pitch has been up to uh, about 95 miles per hour as opposed to like the 93 that we saw earlier on. Okay. Anyone else quick hits here before we move on to tier 11? Um, yeah, not really. Uh, Kikuchi's doing well. Um, Katana's command is looking back to normal, which is good. Michael Lorenzen is your Vargas role right now. Unbelievable. I mean, he just keeps getting the best schedule, so whatever. He just yeah. do it. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, do not, do not think about that Atlanta start. Like, it's Atlanta. Like, you are not starting him for it. It also makes sure. me, like, think about in the offseason, we're going to be treating him with a certain ERA in ratios but or in whip, but it's like, but we shouldn't be including this Atlanta start because you shouldn't have been starting him in that start. That's a you good know? point. That's a valid uh, just point. Just kind of like how we throw away core starts or whatever too. You know, it's it's like, yeah, you we know to avoid that. Um, says the man who started him in a 15-team or accidentally in tout, but that's fine. Um, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> that <laughs> didn't mean stinks. to. Locked on Monday. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, do you want to say that Dean Kramer? It's a really good cutter. Forcing him needs to be a little better. 
he's been battling. I mean, he's been one of the Orioles more consistent, which is pretty interesting, but I'd be curious to see um, how they manage that workload by the end of the year. Truly would not surprise me with Jack Flaherty's addition and with especially Cole Irvin, if he might be a, an interesting bullpen option for them, right. especially if Tyler Wells doesn't, doesn't come back. Um, let's go to uh, tier 11 here, 67 through 75. Brady Singer up 14 to 67. Chase Silseth and Cole Reagans uh, reappearing or coming back on the list uh, at 69 and 68, respectively. John Gray, Kyle Gibson up 25 to 71. Reed Detmers at 33. Drops drops 33, excuse me, to 72. Nick Pavetta, Johan Oviedo, what is wrong with me? And Mitch Keller down 30 You're in Baltimore, to 75. Uh, uh, <laughs> what's it called and why is it called that? This one is a cookie where you can't tell if it's oatmeal raisin or not. Okay. Listen, uh, we can't let you get through this podcast without having you kind of live react to, to, to Cole Reagan. So go ahead, my friend. Oh, Cole Reagan's. Oh, man. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, gosh. Like, huh. So, I mean, look, this is what happened. He got traded from the Royals, uh, from the Rangers to the Royals. And when he was, I remember even the beginning of the year, he had the start where he was throwing like 96, 97 all of a sudden. He was like a 94 mile per hour guy. And he was doing that. And I was like, Whoa, 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 Cole, Cole Reagans. I was kind of interested with you last year because I thought of you as like a Cole Hamels type and you were going fastballs upstairs and cutters inside and uh, change-ups away. And this was really nice as a lefty, but you weren't quite as precise as you needed to be, but you were close. You were just missing a little too far out of it. But I saw that if you just tighten it a little bit, it's different than a normal chaotic thing, right? You're just missing a little too far in different ways. And that can be tweaked. So I was really excited about this year. Did not get any restarts really because of the Rangers being the Rangers and signing all those guys. Fine. But he was throwing harder all of a sudden. He had one game of like 70 pitches or something. I was like, whoa. And then I forgot about it because he didn't get any more opportunities. And then got traded to the Royals in the Rawlis Chapman deal. And I thought, okay. Right? And we had a doubleheader. And what does Cole Reagans do? He doesn't sit 94. He doesn't sit 95. He doesn't sit 96. He doesn't even sit 97. He says 97.5. And it was it was glorious in this in this doubleheader. And I thought, my gosh, you are the Royals. What else do you have? How could you not start this guy? And they didn't fast. They didn't do it. They're like, nah, we're good with with Ryan Yarbrough. We're good with Alec Marsh. Maybe some Daniel Lynch, not Daniel Lynch, maybe some more Daniel Lynch. And I'm just sitting there going, what is going on? How I, I just want that moment. Brady Singer was doing so terribly. I'm like, why? And of course, I mean, sure, Granky, like, go do your thing, Granky. But oh my gosh, I want Cole Reagans. Yeah. And then the greatest thing happens fast. The trade deadline goes on. We're there. We're waiting. We see the Jack Flaherty go. We see, okay, Jack Flaherty goes. Erod goes. But you know the one I wanted to go? I wanted Ryan Yarbrough to go. <laughs> because then that meant my lovely, <laughs> lovely seed could blossom. Could bloom in the sunlight, get its attention that it deserves. So then it had its he had his first start, and hey, it was great. It was good. He had a second start, ninety four. Okay, it's not, it's not the ninety seven, but the command, sure. all the command, fast, Mwah, the command. Same it was beautiful. Four seams right at the top of the zone. Cutters were down there. The cutters were, the, the changeups were there. It was yes, this is him. But wait, ninety four is are we going to see it back? So then he starts today. And Alex Fast, mm. let me tell you right now, the Cole Regans in the situation in Fenway, you know what? I even thought of myself, I was a rational man on Sunday. I, I'm an emotional person. I, I can be in those moods where I say things that later on I go, you know what, Nick? Maybe that isn't the truth. 
maybe that isn't actually what the reality is. Sure. And after that first start, I said, you know what? I don't care. I'm getting him everywhere because I don't care if it's a Red Sox. I'm starting him. And then Sunday comes along. I'm, along, I'm like, you know what? This is, it was 94. He was down. It's terrifying in Fenway. Let's just bench this guy and pick him up and bench him. And then I reverted to this morning. I was like, no, I'm taking him out of do not start. Good. I'm putting him All into right. questionable start. He's my streamer of the day. He yeah. goes 6.2 innings, one earned run, four hits, one walk, 11 strikeouts fast. 11, 11 strikeouts. He had about half the amount of hard hit balls allowed by Brian, Brian Bayo, and he had to face the Royals. Yeah. Not the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That four-seamer, was it at 94? No, was it at 95? No, was it at 96? No, it was 96.5 fast. His changeup at nine whiffs. His slider went four for 12 whiffs. 35% CSW on the four-seamer. The four-seamer was up. The changeup was down. The slider was down in glove side. The cutter got strikes. He hath risen fast. That was magnificent. And what is so funny about all of this, what makes me laugh more than anything, okay, here's the kicker. Here's the punchline. You ready for it? I know what it is. They lost yep. six to two. <laughs> <laughs> that is like to hear you get so excited. And oh, did I walk on Grand Slam? Down. I think it was in the ninth inning. <laughs> so, to hear you do all of that and then – because you know what it was is the Red Sox were the Yellow Sox tonight and they have only lost – Four games in their yellow jerseys. They are twenty-two and four. Is that right? Wearing, yeah, twenty-two and four while wearing we're wearing their City Connect jerseys. So they couldn't even overcome the power that was Cole Reagan's. That was beautiful. I'm not. I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I'm not letting you talk about anyone else in this <laughs> here. That was so beautiful. No I one mean, else is Demers worthy. There's and Keller losing thirty spots in its things. I don't want to hear about it. I don't yeah. want to hear about it. That 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 deserves its own package. We're going to tier twelve. Seventy six. That was that was beautiful. Just clip that. Seventy six through eighty one. Logan Allen, Aaron Savale, Clark, uh, Clark Schmidt, Wade Miley reappears at seventy nine. Hyunjin Ryu down twelve, uh, and Bryce Elder. Hyunjin Ryu sadly might be off the list uh, uh, next week. Um, what is it called? And why is it called that? I don't know. It's bread and butter. I love that little six-year-old boy coming home from playing outside all day, and mom's like, "Here's your bread." And oh, 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 snap, kids! Uh, yeah, here's your bread. Um, uh, all right. So, gosh, where do we even begin? Let's talk about Wade Miley. What What does September look like uh, for Wade Miley? What is the so? It could the be a higher for him, him, but he's only about sixty pitches in his first game back. So it could be better. I mean, I think it's just a matchup-based thing. I don't think that Wade Miley does enough. Um, there are times that the cutters do go inside and the changeups do stay away, and that's really when he excels. It's that. I don't know if we're really going to see that much, and the Brewers have always been that kind of team that will jump straight to the bullpen for certain guys, and I think that Wade Miley is one of those, so he's not really that seven-inning potential guy. Maybe six, but I think we're going to see a lot of five-inning games from Miley that could be helpful for your teams. Okay. Anyone else really in this tier you want to want to talk about? Don't just count out Ryu just yet. It was his first start back from TJ. Um, I imagine there's still some stuff in the tank for him there. 
Okay, uh, let's move to the final tier. It's a chonker, tier 13, 82 through 100. Andrew Heaney up 11, Graham Ashcraft up 11, Taiwan Walker down 7, Paul Blackburn at 85, Luis Medina at 86, Cutter Crawford, Tyler Anderson at 88, Tony Gonsolin, Dane Dunning appears at 90, Alex Cobb down 27 to 91, Johnny Cueto down 5 to 92, Jamison Tyone, Ryan Yarbrough, Braxton Garrett down 21 to 95, Mackenzie Gore, and our final four, Zach Little, Alec Manoa, Jose Arquiti, and Nick Martinez is back. He's at number 100. What's it called and why is it called that? This is the fruit tier because sometimes you just don't want grapes, man. Mm. You know, I remember yeah. as a kid being like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want grapes. You know, I want Capri Sun. I want fruit flavored, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I don't want the grape. <laughs> beautiful this you're, you're on one tonight this is this is like this is some primo content that we're getting we, i guess we both had to be east coast to kind of get this premium delirious nick here talk a little bit obviously i'm gonna have you wrap on nick martinez but talk a little bit about zach little um what was it that you saw from him and it's 97 right so there's got to be some kind of underlying promise but what was it that had you put him on the list this week i think it's the beard man he is the red beard he's got is just insane. No, Zach Little is going to get starts um, for uh, for the Rays because they are so hurt. And that is a winning ball club. And he's gone about 80 pitches in each of his two starts now. He's only allowed 200 runs in 11 innings. Um, I'm not saying that he is exceptional. However, I think it is a decent slider. Um, and he keeps it down for the most part. And then he does go four-seamer up. He tries actually to do the Blake Snell blueprint. So given the situation that the Rays are in, they are going to have to start Little. Yeah. I'm not saying he's someone I really want to go for, but there's a decent matchup. There might be a sneaky win there. Okay. So then finish this. Uh, let's let's bring it on home with Nick Martinez, new Mr. 100. But there's been promise there before. Is it that same promise that has you thinking, you know what? It's 100. Let's just put him there. I mean, he's finally starting again. Uh, I hate that's because of Joe Musgrove getting hurt. Yeah. Uh, but Ryan Weathers also leaving. So you added Rich Hill. You lost uh, Musgrove and Weathers. Now it's Nick Martinez. And also there is Waka also coming back at some point. So we might not see so much Nick Martinez. I've been yelling. This is like the joke of the season for me is that Nick Martinez needs to start again. Um, but what we saw in that one game um, as a starter was I uh, was three innings and three Ks with everything working. It was like high four seamers and low changeups and curveballs. I was like, yeah, that's what he does. And it's really good. <sighs> I don't know how much we're going to see of it. I mean, he's supposed to start tomorrow on Tuesday. So it might be today as you guys are going to listen to it. Um, but I really hope it works. You know, it'd be really cool. I have a good defense. It should be a winning team. It's been. Yes, man. It's been. <laughs> <laughs> it's been about. Oh, it's been gosh, seven years maybe. as we've been doing this podcast. guys. Yeah, that that's did that not become apparent with that? It's been about 150 episodes, let's say, give or take, where we've been doing themed tiers and i've always struggled to find the perfect way to, to bring us on home you know i would say what are your final thoughts and i i finally is that finally right? thought of the new way to do it it's really it's getting the answer to the to the theme from mm -hmm. you What's what that? was the snack that you looked forward to having after coming out from like a long day of having fun playing with your friends. I mean, that generally was, you know, that's generally what the top tier is with those themes. Okay. For me, I would always, I would always be like, I need Gatorade. I would call it the nectar of the gods. Really? I, I mean, I mean, not necessarily when I was six. I don't remember anything when I was six. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, I would, I would just be like, where is the Gatorade? I need it right now. Always a blue or red, never a yellow. Never. You're crazy. You're crazy. No, come I, on, it's guys. so yellow. 
Yellow's the best. Um, mm. Yellow and orange. Um, it's so funny because when I think of like physically strenuous activity and me as a kid, I think of like going, we used to live in like a very hilly neighborhood in Maryland. So mm. I think of like sledding. Like I think of like, I, I would go outside and sled for like oh, four or five hours. Back, yeah. You know what it was for me? Hot yeah. cocoa was uh, great. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's one. Marshmallows. That's one B. One A for me was that cup of noodles. That was oh interesting. Strict. Never 1A. had those. Strict. Oh, big fan. Big yeah. fan. All right, uh, that's how we should end all of these. All right, that's <laughs> gonna do it for episode number four or five of On the Corner, the official Pitchless.com podcast. I'm your host Alex Fast, and I'm Nick Pollock. We'll talk to you guys next week. 